to Fidget, a BFRB podcast. Well, everyone, welcome back to Fidget, a podcast for your BFRB toolbox. My name is Jason. And I'm Adele. Some of you may have heard our October episode with Anila from Habit Aware. Well, this month, we are thrilled to have another Habit Aware superstar. If you haven't yet heard about this awesome team, check them out. <laughs> Habit Aware makes the Keen and Keen 2 smart bracelets a Time Magazine best invention that helps you keep track of your own BFRB. When it recognizes the behavior, Keen's vibration reminds you to take a moment for yourself and practice replacing your unwanted behavior with healthier coping strategies. Like a therapist on your wrist, as they say. But outside of her work with HabitAware, maybe you know her as a bullet journaling guru or the <laughs> sister of your first-year philosophy teacher, <laughs> Ellen Krupe, welcome to the podcast. Oh, I'm so thrilled to be here. Thank you for having me. Um, yeah, I hear it's very hot in Washington, D.C. Yes, it is hot. It is hot here. But luckily, we have air conditioning, which I know where you guys are, uh, not always the case. <laughs> not always the case. <laughs> um, do, do, you, do you think the heat affects your trick? Oh, that's a very interesting question. I actually do not. No, I don't think it does. I okay. think uh, more of it for me, I've been thinking about this recently. It's when I'm feeling unsettled. Hmm. If something's hmm. going on, instead of what's wrong with me, it's a cue to say, hey, Ellen, something's, something's up, something's bothering me. Now, I might be hot because of the humidity, but I don't, I don't think that that would increase or decrease how often I ha might have the urge that is an interesting question. It, it it makes me think of the the HALT acronym that that we're often told, you know, if you're engaging in your BFRB, you HALT. And um, okay, let's see if I remember it. The Is it, are you hungry? Are you angry? Are you, I always forget the L. Lonely. Lonely. Oh, and tired. And tired. Yeah. And so, yeah, that that's always really useful to me. But um, yeah, so temperature is not... Not one for you. Um, <laughs> no. What yeah. about you? Have you ever thought about it? That does it affect you? The the weather. I I think it's a great question because I think discomfort, physical discomfort, is often uh, is often connected to it. Um, but I have not noticed the heat. Sometimes, yeah, I think tiredness or just discomfort physically like if I'm sitting in an uncomfortable position mm -hmm. and I don't realize it and then I get caught pulling I think it sort of accentuates it but mm -hmm. um yeah Jason is that something you well I noticed it recently in our recent uh heat bubble heat dome in in Vancouver where at, at night when I or it's like it was hard for me to get to sleep because it was so hot at night and then mm -hmm. I think in general uh, my bed is like my trigger zone uh so i think when i'm like struggling to get to sleep i i find myself picking um but during the day when it's hot i think just like just being so exhausted it's um it also kind of yeah like it it's a sap on my energy and i think it's mm -hmm. yeah a general irritability increases vulnerability mm. to picking increases. Um, but another thing that I've been noticing recently is with in summer when there's bugs having more like mosquito bites, um, I no. think the like no. it jumps, right? Like it's like, oh, I'm scratching my leg because of mosquito bite. And then all of a sudden I'm just scratching all over. Um, and that's a new, a new thing that I've noticed this summer. Um, yeah. Well, and I think there could be a difference too between hair pulling and skin picking, what might be a trigger, mm. you know, cause I do, I talk with, you know, thousands and thousands and thousands of people in the work I do with habit aware, skin pickers, hair pull, people who have skin picking, people with hair pulling, people who have nail biting. And I, some of the, I guess there's a lot of similarities, but there are differences. And I think the skin picking might have something that's a little different if you're feeling on your body versus your face mm. on your body. If you're feeling, you know, um, an imperfection that's caused by a bite or mm -hmm. a scab that maybe you fell and scraped your knee or something like that could be different than with the hair pulling. I do, I do hear that a lot. 
And mm. that could also be with the heat, right? Yeah. Because if you're sweating, it could get into something and start bothering you, mm-hmm. which I think mm-hmm. is different when it comes to hair pulling. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Things to think about. <laughs> yeah. Um, so we, we sort of uh, talked around it a, a little bit, but I think I, I just kind of want to come out and ask, like, Ellen, I'd, I'd love to hear sort of your your story with 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 your trick and you know kind of uh, how long have you had it where did it where did it first start and where are you at it where are you at with it now (laughs) yeah yeah I'd be happy to share so I started pulling my hair when I was around 11 and and it lasted for me for over four decades. So I'm 54 now I'll be 55 in October and some people remember their first pull uh, some people don't, but, and I do. And so I remember being, I grew up in Barrington, Rhode Island, and we were out on the playground for gym class. And I was neither sporty nor popular. And we were in a line to be picked for teams. And I was probably just stroking my hair to calm myself down. And I pulled one out and I felt this zing feeling. I'm like, wow, that's kind of cool. No idea I was doing any damage until I went to the hairstylist with my mom, you know, and they take the hair and they part it down the back and move it to either side of your ears. And all of a sudden Fatima, I still remember her name, noticed that I had two bald spots behind my ears. And she calls my mother over, Sandy, there's something wrong with Ellen. And all I heard was wrong. There's something wrong with Ellen. Look, she's got two bald spots behind her ears. What's wrong with you? What's wrong with you? And Mm -hmm. I immediately said, Ancino put gum in my hair and I had to pull it out. The time she was one of my best friends. And uh, they believed me, maybe, I don't know, but they were satisfied. I was terrified. And I said to myself, I will never pull again. And yeah, you guys, everyone listening out there knows how that goes, (laughs) right? So I just, I, I thought I was the only one in the world and this was 1976. So I was, you know, didn't have words for it. There was no Mr. Google. And I learned what trichotillomania was when I walked into abnormal, I'm doing air quotes, abnormal psych class at University of Maryland and trichotillomania was on the chalkboard. And they were talking about all these abnormal conditions. And I was so thrilled to learn, oh my God, I'm not alone. There's other people just like me. And I even got the courage at one point to tell a girlfriend and she was like, "Eh, no big deal. I was like, oh my God, this is amazing. But then we had a falling out (laughs) And I remember also sitting in a hostess stand, and I still remember what I was wearing because this was the 80s, some ugly Benetton sweater and velvet pants. Like, I remember exactly. Velvet pants. Yeah. I think they had like, they were black with like navy blue dots or something ridiculous. And I'm bored, right? So I'm bored and boredom is a big trigger and my hands were up by my hair. Not only do I like to pull the hair, but I like to put it in my mouth and bite on it and And I was doing that. And she comes around the corner with a couple of friends and looks at me and she goes, oh my God, Ellen, you are disgusting. And she walked out and I was devastated. And I'm sure she doesn't even remember this, but of course I remember it. Note to self, don't tell anyone, right? So life goes on and I learned more and more. Well, that's not really true. Once the internet came out, you were able to find out more information. And as I learned more, I actually found some therapists. Some were really good. Some were really bad. I went to a great um, group therapy, which was awesome. And there were eight of us. It was the first time I had ever met anyone else like me. There were um, seven of us were hit were trichotillomania and one was dermatillomania. And it was, it was amazing mm-hmm. until the group ended. And then everything came back and I also didn't have the awareness. So then I got married and had some babies and I just realized I'm just going to have to live with it. And I had a, I was really good at hiding it. No one knew. Cause I, I have this, if you see me, I have this great head of hair and I was always able to hide it. And then one day, May, 2017, binge watching some television show, pulling the hair, doing my routine, biting it into little pieces and then depositing it behind the um, headboard thing as if it never happened, which of course it did over and over and over and over. And the elbows hurting and my fingers are dented. 
Has that ever happened to you? Mm-hmm. Because you're pulling yeah. something. And uh, I was out of my mind after three hours. Like, what did I do? What, how much damage? And so I Googled, what are the latest breakthroughs in trichotillomania, expecting to find the same old stuff that just I've already tried and nothing sticks. But I found the Habit-Aware Keen bracelet invented by someone who grew up with the same issue. So I decided to buy two. And I was so excited, I actually put the wrong street address in. And then I found, I ended up getting the bracelets, which was amazing. And I, I trained them up right away, didn't follow the instructions. And it was an epic fail because user error was vibe. This bracelet, the bracelet vibrates when you're doing the behavior to interrupt in a gentle way so that you're aware. And then you get to choose, what do I want to do? And all of a sudden I thought, this is hope. This is going to be amazing. So I got the bracelets, as I said, I trained them up and I didn't train them properly. So they vibrated when I didn't want them to, not when I wanted them to. And I thought they were going to end up in my closet. But Habit Aware does free, at the time, would do free video training. So I hopped on a call and I learned what I was doing wrong. And then all of a sudden it started to air quotes work. And what I mean by that is I, I trained it properly, which is one area and training the scanning motion of what you do right before you pull or right before you pick. Not the full hand raise, pick, pull, the whole thing. And it started to vibrate when I was doing my behavior. And it was glorious because I was getting my awareness. And what I decided, and this was the key, is I decided that it was a hug on my wrist telling me, Ellen, you're learning where your hands are. Congratulations. Go you. You're training your awareness muscles instead of... And all of you know this. What's wrong with me? Why can't I stop? I'm never going to do it again. Oh my God, I did it again and I suck. So the bracelet to me was my self-care alarm telling me, hey, now you're the pilot. You're not on autopilot anymore. So within about a month, I reached out to Habit Aware and said, "Uh, I'd like to work with you and help others the way you guys have helped me. And I was a surprise package. I'm in Washington, D.C. They're in um, St. Louis Park, Minnesota. Four people just started out. And we decided, let's give it a go. And that was four years ago. And I've been working with them ever since. And so also, I'm not 100% pull-free. But I'm a rock-solid 95% (laughs) pull-free, which is good enough for me. And I'm, I'm able to notice with my superpower, oh, I just pulled one or two or even three Mm. and say to myself, huh, what's going on? What's bothering me instead of what's wrong with me? Mm. And then I can course correct. What a journey. (laughs) (laughs) That's fantastic. I think uh, one of the, I guess, threads that really resonates with me through your story is um, you describing these support opportunities that sort of that existed and then fell through or ended and it seems to me like you've gotten to a point where where you are your biggest support and then you have these this additional tool the the keen bracelet and and your support network and all of this but ultimately you are the pilot like I really like that you said that um because you know you tell a friend maybe you lose touch or or you have a falling out, you have a support group and it ends. You have a therapist who retires, you know, like the things in our lives that we, that we can grow to depend on might not always be there. So I think that's really powerful. You know, you hit it. You really like, you hit it. It's all about us. These are now, if you take a step back, we feel that it's our fault because there are hands. Our, our hands are picking or pulling or biting, mm. but that's not the case. It's not our fault. You, we can learn to be in control of this disorder that we didn't ask for. Just like someone with diabetes can learn to take control of their diet with insulin, exercise, um, nutrition, medications, but it's up to that person. So for parents listening, you can't make your kid want to stop because there's a reason why we do these. The, the, we have these behaviors. They serve a purpose, even though they don't serve us. 
It's up to us. And it is us. And while we might always have our hands and our hair and our skin with us, we also always have our breath and our brains. So while fidgets are important, because sometimes we have restless hands that need to be occupied, we always have ourselves with us and we can rely on ourselves. And that's what we have. You just hit it. That's brilliant. Um, and I, I wanted to ask, um, uh, you know, you, you said it's not a hundred percent, but mm-hmm. you're a rock solid 95. I, yeah. I really love that. Um, how, um, yeah. How, how did you, um, come to this like acceptance of, yeah, of that's that? a good question. Uh, so at the very beginning I was focused on not pulling at all. And then I actually read a blog that Anila wrote before I started working with her about being um, pull-free can be, we don't want to focus on being pull-free. We want to focus on just pulling less or picking less. Just like we're never happy 100% of the time. If 80% of the time we're 80% good, that's a win. We don't have to be 100. And that gave me the freedom to be okay with pulling one or two. And it really isn't the pulling. It isn't even the side effect of the pulling, which is the physical side effect, which is the hair loss or the pain. It's really the emotional baggage of the shame. That's what I want to let go of. And I'm not ashamed. I'm loud and proud now. Um, And I'm right. And I'm not ashamed of my hair pulling. And it is my superpower. But there's nothing wrong with pulling one. Everybody pulls, everybody picks. And there's nothing wrong with doing one, two or three or four Mm. or five. It's Mm. just pulling less. Mm -hmm. And then the shame just kind of just fell away. And what was replaced with curiosity and kindness, which is just extraordinary. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, And I think that that's also, I feel like where, um, only only within the past few months have I come to this sort of realization of, you know, the thing that I haven't been battling isn't the behavior. The the thing that I was battling was the shame, the attitude, the, you know, mm-hmm. the negative self-talk mm-hmm. um, that I had with it. And, you know, the... Yeah, the, the behavior was like, I think, distracting me from like the, you know, that was the tip of the iceberg of um, what I needed to... Uh, yeah, to, to work on. And it's, it's like, you know, I think it's, it's, it's challenging to separate the two when like, as you said, it it is my own hands causing this. And it's like the, but it isn't right. hmm. You can't tell your pancreas in my mother's case, she became diabetic type one at age 65. She can't just make her pancreas work right. Hmm. So as your hands might be causing it, meaning your hands are literally picking at your skin and causing a wound, Mm. but you're not making the active decision. I'm going to do this Mm. just like your right now, our bodies are, you know, our lungs are breathing without us uh, telling them to breathe and we're digesting and where blood is moving to and fro. Mm. Right. And we're not, it's a chronic condition we didn't ask for it for whatever. And it's a self-soothing behavior. So there's a reason why we're doing this. Mm-hmm. And I find the common threads with these behaviors is there's a trigger and then there is a, there's a trigger. And then what, then there is a fleeting reward and the fleeting reward from the picking and the pulling could be calming us down, revving us up filling boredom, helping us make decisions, helping us just zone out when we don't want to do something. Mm. Right. And the routine is to pick and pull, Mm. but there, but can you have that same trigger and the same reward, which is the calming down or filling time or whatever it is without the picking and the pulling. And the answer is yes. You just have to, you have to discover what is it that you need in that moment. And it's Mm. not your fault. 
It's just, it's telling you that your body's unsettled and doesn't have balance. Feels unbalanced. Mm. It's not, you know, that's one of my like hackles comes up when people say, not that you said that, but that, you know, it's my fault because they're my hands. It's not, Mm. it's not. Do you have go-to behaviors that that you use as an alternative or that you found useful for yourself when feeling these things or yeah do they change over time are, and also are there times when kinds of situations where you will default to pulling and and you just know that about yourself yeah those are great questions let's tease that apart <laughs> sorry that was a lot of- <laughs> oh but it's awesome it's really really awesome so at the beginning of my journey once I found the habit of wear bracelet and got my, started, pardon me, strengthening my awareness muscles. I learned that the car was a big trigger for me and I was in the car a lot because I had two kids and I was carpooling. And so my, and I discovered by accident and I'm, what I'm holding up right now is a furball keychain. And so my, <laughs> my keys were in the car and I'm, mm-hmm. you know, feeling the need to, to pull and I started to stroke the fur ball. I'm like, oh my God, this is fun. And then I actually took it off. Well, actually I didn't have to take it off because the keys don't go in the car anymore. It was a push button. And I would just take the fur ball and rub it on my face. And that was amazing. It wasn't better. Mm-hmm. It, 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 did, it, it wasn't more satisfying because there's nothing as satisfying except not doing it. There's nothing as satisfying as your VFRB except not doing your VFRB. So I would play with the fur ball and that would get me through it. And so at Mm. the beginning it was this. And then because I also like the feeling on my lips of the hair, for whatever reason, pencil erasers, which I actually still use to this day is something I'll just rub those on my lips and that doesn't bother me. Mm. Meaning I'm not concerned Mm. that I do that. Mm. So, so this, so the fur ball, I don't really use anymore. Uh, So that was a beginning tool. And Mm. At the beginning, I did a lot of fidgets, meaning the fur ball, the pencil, also um, a hair clip that I could just put on my finger. And I also use these hair ties that I love because they have a little plastic logo and I can worry them around. Mm. Um, But then I started realizing, what if I don't have them with me? What can I do? I always have my breath. And I was never into that kind of like stuff, but I thought, let me just try. And so when I was feeling the urge, if I didn't have anything, I would just take a long, deep breath. And then I learned through a podcast, I don't remember which one, you can turn on your rest and digest, which is opposite of fight or flight. So fight or flight is the sympathetic nervous system and rest rest and digest is the parasympathetic nervous system. If you breathe out longer than you breathe in, breathe in for four seconds, breathe out for six it turns on the rest and digest. So I would practice that. And that really helped. Mm. And, and I've been giving this a lot of thought because you were saying Adele, like what did you, what were your go-to things mm-hmm. and how did they change over time? So in certain spaces like the car where I couldn't go anywhere, I felt I needed something physical to occupy my hands and I still do. So I usually will have a water bottle or something with me, but in other places, I, I don't like my desk. I really, I can, I don't have to have something physical. I can use my brain. I can say to myself, okay, I'm starting to notice that I'm about to pull. Something's bothering me. Oh, right. I have a deadline. (laughs) I don't know if I'm going to make it. And so that's why I'm doing this. So I will take 40 seconds and just look outside and say, what are five things I can see? I see my beautiful Mm. crepe myrtles. I see my hand cream on my desk. I see my fur ball. What are five things I can feel? I can feel my bum in the chair, which no one has been feeling their bum until I said that word. Right. And you can feel, (laughs) I feel the air conditioning blowing and then that would reset me. Mm. So that's how things have kind of changed over time. And the new one I'm, I'm realizing is, and this is through exercise, is um, muscle memory. We have this muscle memory with hair pulling and probably skin picking of hand going up, hand going up, hand going up, hand going up. Well, with the bracelet, I've learned 
hand down and don't bring it up. But it takes time to change to change the muscle memory because we've been doing it for so many years. So I think depending on what's happening, sometimes we need a fidget to occupy restless hands. Sometimes we need to do something for our bodies to, Mm. to, for our restless mind. And sometimes we need to reprogram our muscle memory Mm. to have hands apart or hands down. Mm. Yeah. Wow, what a what a wealth, what a treasure trove, Ellen. <laughs> Real toolbox. <laughs> um, and I think on this sort of this mindfulness um, theme, I wanted to to bring up what uh, you have introduced into my life is my yes. oh. my trusty uh, bullet journal. Um, I have mine too. <laughs> I um <laughs> in preparation for this I read your uh bullet journal meets slash bfrb blog post that you had oh, that no. you posted um and yeah I I recommend all listeners to to check out that um as just yeah like bullet journaling as I I love the the mindfulness disguised as a productivity tool um so yeah. I, I don't know if 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 you want to spend a little bit of time talking about that Oh, wow. Okay. Actually, that's, that's really cool. So the way I learned about bullet journaling was through a friend. So for those of you who don't know about it, bullet journaling was invented by writer Carol. And it was just his way as an ADHD guy to figure out how to organize himself. And he's the one who says it's the organizational system. You said it so well, um, that is disguised. It's mindfulness disguised as a productivity system. So my girlfriend and I really liked pens and paper. We're always looking for something, right? And she, and I ran into her at a party and she said, oh, I've been bullet journaling. You have to Google what it is. And so we got together. I said, could you help me? And she said, sure, let's get together for coffee. And then she invited a friend who invited a friend and we thought that was going to be it. It was, we all didn't know each other. We're all very different. And we got together and kind of set up our journals, which was a way of, what are all the things you need to do, but are, what are also the things that you want to do? And we thought that would be it. Have coffee and be done. And we said, let's meet again. Let's meet again. Let's meet again. And now we call ourselves the Bujo Buddies. And we've been meeting for four years. Uh, and just like your BFRB practice, right? Because it's a practice to take control, can morph over time. My bullet journal practice has morphed over time. And at the beginning, I would write down in it for my BFRB, what are things that were working? What are things that weren't working? What did I like? What did I not like? So I could remember. I don't, and I, and it served me then because I needed it. I don't need that collection anymore. That's how you, that's what it's called when you have a project. Uh, That's great. I'm so glad that you guys are bullet journaling. (laughs) Adele, how's your bullet journal experiment going? Oh, it's going so well. I've already told several friends about this and sort of explained from my perspective. I've always been someone who wants to journal and journals kind of here and there spontaneously, or I'll start where I used to, you know, one week say, okay, from now on, I'm going to write in my journal every day. But it always felt like such a big task. And so yeah. it would often peter out. And so what I like about this experiment so far is that it's really it's it's meant to be manageable i mean it's really the bullet points are really you know like one line at a time i don't need to write paragraphs even though you know i like writing sometimes but it's not about writing prose it's really about right you know keeping track of whatever it is that you need to keep track of and um I think the fact that it's so manageable has made me pretty consistent about it since we first spoke several months ago now. I mean, almost every day. I did um, the last few weeks, well, I went on a bike trip. I've been camping a lot. I sort of went on vacation and my job ended. So a lot of big changes happened. And so I wasn't bullet journaling. And this morning, actually kind of in preparation for this for this recording, I was like, okay, well, Let's see. I think I haven't done my July pages yet. Let's sit down and, and write this out. And I felt so such a relief um, in a way to write everything down, go through the process. And these sort of uncertainties or things that I, I knew I know are coming up, but 
they were all so intangible in my mind. Now they're on paper and uh, I'm really glad to be back in that, in the system again. I, I think it, I'm happy to, you know, take breaks once in a while, but I know that it's serving me well. So yeah, mm-hmm. it, it's kind of an interesting process. <laughs> yeah, that's great. And that's what it is. It's just, it's just, it's a tool and mm-hmm. it's, it's the tool that's going to serve you and what's the best tool to serve you. So, yeah. and I don't use it. My calendar isn't in here because the Google calendar suits me better. And I actually wrote in for July, what's my Bujo intention? And I wrote to be organized and to remember stuff. Cause that's at this moment, that's what I feel like I need more where mm. at other times I needed something different. And in the future, I'll probably need something different. Mm. But I love that you can just turn the page, just have a blank page and start over or pick up wherever you need, mm. you know, and it can be that way also for, for us with BFRBs too. Cause a lot of times like, you focus on controlling and doing it less. And then when you do do it, sometimes you feel like, well, I've done it. I might as well keep going. Right. And, and here's my, and Neil might've mentioned this too, but here's what I say about that. Okay. So imagine you're walking down a flight of steps and you trip, but you grab onto the railing, right? Whew, I didn't fall all the way down. Well, I already started. I might as well throw myself down the rest of the year. <laughs> right? We would never do that. <laughs> never. And it's the same yeah. thing with a car. You're in a car. You have one flat tire. You're not going to pull over, open up the trunk, get out a knife, and slash the other three. <laughs> but we do that with our hair and our skin. Well, I started on this eyelash. I might as well keep going. And then you keep going and then you only have three left and you decide to leave those. And then you're like devastated where you can use the trigger or the, or the one pull or the one pick or the two or the three as your banister to go, Oh, wait a minute. This is my opportunity to course correct. So when I'm walking down the stairs with my laptop, my bullet journal, hot cup of coffee and my water bottle and I start to trip. Well, I've got too much I'm holding on to. Let's put some of these things down so I don't fall all the way down the stairs. And it's the same thing. It's being, mm-hmm. it's allowing yourself to examine what's going on right now. And, and also circling back to your question, Adele, you had also said, well, is there times where you just will pull? And yeah, there are times where I just, I will. And I don't beat myself up anymore. So in the majority of those times might be if I'm reading or watching TV, it's not that I'm allowing necessarily where in the, in the before keen times, I would allow myself and then feel bad about it, but I might catch myself and let myself maybe pull one more or not and be okay with it. The other times will be when I've got a lot going on. There's like so much going on that I don't realize that I'm doing it until I've already done it. But because my awareness is so heightened, I don't have to wear the bracelet anymore. I've realized it. And then I, I literally imagine the banister. Mm. Of course, correct. Mm. I just don't let my, you know, I don't, you know, there's a huge, huge, what's the word? Um, relapse rate for people with BFRP. Sometimes you can just talk to somebody and you don't pull for three days. You're like, oh my God, that's never happened. And you think you're cured. Or you might be in a group or you might see a therapist or whatever it is and you don't do it for a period of time and then something happens and you begin again. Mm-hmm. But I, re- I haven't. I haven't had that episode in four years where I would sit down and it would three hours would go by and I'd be like, oh my God, where the hell did the time go? That just yeah. doesn't happen anymore. Mm. And I think that's because of this method of awareness because mm-hmm. you can't change what you don't know. And then having the strength to pause and go, huh, with the mindset, what's going on? And really it's about loving yourself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I love the banister visual. It's something I, I really relate to that, especially with my eyelashes because um, there's such a visual a trigger for me that if some eyelashes are longer than the others or whatever, I, I want to pull at them. And sometimes I'll get to the point where it's like, well, you know, maybe it'll just be easier if I pull them all out because then they'll all be even and they'll start growing back together. You know, like it's kind of in the moment I can almost rationalize it, yeah. but yeah. that's exactly what you just said, right? Like, okay, let's just fall down all the way and then, and then walk back up the stairs and, 
anytime I've done that, it's I've never felt better for it. Like I've never thought, oh, okay, great. I have a fresh <laughs> slate or clean slate. Um, and I just feel worse about it as opposed to, you know, even if it's, it's a bit more of a struggle to have eyelashes of different lengths, but I know I've, I've had the, the ability to, you know, comfort myself in another way or move on to something else like that always makes me feel stronger. So right. it's hard to remember in the moment though. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it is, it is, it's hard to remember in the moment and maybe there's, you know, just like um, acronyms help us remember things. Maybe this will help you in the moment staircase, mm. it's just staircase. Mm. Oh, staircase. I don't have to throw myself down. That means mm. it's okay that they're uneven. Une- mm-hmm. Unevenness is my superpower. You know, it's, um, it's okay. Mm, yeah. Um, yeah. You, you, you've thrown out the word superpower a, a, a few times. And um, I, I also wanted to circle back, you know, you you said you're at this point where you're, you're loud and proud about your BFRB. Um, maybe you could talk about like, in what way? Yeah. Like what, what has your BFRB taught you? Oh, wow. Okay. Um. It taught me that I'm not a half glass empty kind of girl. I always thought I was always negative, always kind of waiting for the, oh, well, this is good, but it's not going to last the other shoe to drop. And it's taught me to realize that not everything is that way. So as an example, there are things that are bad. And then there are things that are really bad. There's like a real no and a fake no right? We do a lot of fake no's. There's some real no's, but there's a lot of fake no's out there. And it's helped me identify that. So I remember one time walking out of, um, I was having a difficult conversation with somebody that I tend to have difficult conversations with. And I was sitting in my car and I immediately went up to the behind my ear and I thought, oh yeah, that's why I'm doing it. Because I don't like talking to so-and-so. And then I said to myself, was what she did really that bad? No, it really wasn't. Mm-hmm. So my BFRB taught me to sit back and kind of notice, just kick it a little bit more about, is that really that bad? And there are times when it is. Mm-hmm. That's okay too, but it, it helped me recognize the two. Um, it also helped me realize as a mom that I have to let my kids do things their way. Mm. So, you know, I'm a mom and I have a mom. And my mom used to say to me, stop pulling. Well, she wouldn't say stop pulling because I would hide that from her, but I would also bite the hair and mm. she would hear it and she'd go, stop biting your nails. And in my mind, I'm like, I'm not biting my nails. <laughs> you know, stop biting your nails or get, you know, and that would make me angrier. Or my husband who did know about my hair pulling, he'd say, stop, stop biting your hair. Stop pulling your hair. And all I want to do is do it more. So my older daughter bites her nails. Don't say it. Don't say it. Don't say it. Rachel, take your hands out of your mouth. You know, like it's helped me know, you know, it's, it, she has to be her own pilot. She has to decide I can support her and give her, but she has to be the one who does it. And last night I made a boo-boo. My youngest Mm -hmm. daughter she bites the inside of her cheeks mm. and her tongue. And she was pressing her finger against her gum and her teeth to kind of try to get to it. And we were on a Zoom call with my mother for her 80th fifth birthday, go mom, and my brothers and mm. and um, their wives and whatnot. And I, I said, I pulled Julia's hand away from her mouth. And she looked at me like, are you kidding me? If I did that to you, you'd be so mad. Right. And she's right. She's really right. Mm. So it's taught me that everybody has their own journey. Right. And everyone Mm. has to figure it out on their own way. And it's helped me just kind of notice what's really going on, like really trying to dig in to know what's really going on so that I can react properly. Yeah. Wow. Thank you so much for sharing. Yeah. Well, your questions are great. They really, (laughs) they really are. Um, I, what I heard in there was like, it it helped you realize that like we're all human, 
you know, yeah. like we all yeah. make mistakes. And I, I, I wanted to like I tie that into kind of this idea of progress of um, I, I think for me, something I've been reflecting on is before I only measured success in the physical realm, right? Like mm-hmm. it was, oh, like what, what is the condition of my hands? How many cuts do I have on my hands? Um, it, it pre, prior to bullet journaling, I kept this spreadsheet of like my, my health. And I used to have this column of like how many uh, fingers have cuts on them. And then Nina Dell talked about how maybe that's not a healthy way of measuring success. <laughs> um, but it, that's what it was. I was obsessed with, you know, like the, the physical manifestation of my BFRB and, you know, realizing, you know, that's maybe a red herring. I should be measuring progress in the like, you know, what, what's the journey of acceptance I am with myself. And, um, I, I think realizing that is, you know, I can make mistakes in the physical space. I can quote unquote lose progress or I, I, you know, I, I need to like, break heel, break heel, break heel. Yeah, my my physical hands. And I think that used to really, it really used to frustrate me. And it like filled me with this dread and this sense of like hopelessness. Mm -hmm. But now trying to shift progress into, no, progress is the relationship I'm going to make with myself. And acknowledging that, hey, I'm going to make mistakes along the way. And yeah. yeah, you know, like, oh, I, as a parent, you know, maybe you made a mistake with, with your daughter yesterday, but that's okay. You know, we can trip on the staircase, but we don't need to fall all the way down. Right, right. Um, well, and you even, yeah. it's interesting too, when you talk about, because, you know, our, our outer appearance matters, matters to us. And if you focus on the effort of what you're doing to improve your hands, not the hands themselves, they will improve. It's just, it's a byproduct. When you, when you focus on, it's like when you focus on, I'm trying to think of another example. If you're focusing on exercise Mm -hmm. and getting stronger um, and doing the positioning, right. The functional, functional positioning, you will get stronger. But if you focus just on the muscle right? You have to put the effort in. And, and with us, I mean, geez, you could pull eyelashes, pull scalp hair, pick skin. And in 15 minutes, you've done all this damage. We could sit Mm -hmm. here and eat 15 cupcakes. We're not going to get fat in two seconds, but you could go to sleep and wake up without an eyebrow, right? So we see the physical immediately. So, you know, you can't discount all of the effort that you did. Because you can, you're right, we're human. You make a mistake. Something happens. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And I think it's it's easy to to think, oh, if I have this this relapse, I, I pull out all my eyelashes. Wow, I've I haven't learned anything. <laughs> you know, like sort of I I remember specific times when I've thought, wow, all of that work I did was for nothing. Mm-hmm. But that's not the case. It doesn't erase what happened. It's part of this longer story I think that's something I've been trying to reframe in with regards to my BFRB but in my life in general like what I'm doing right now this is just a tiny snapshot of who I am as a person and all the things that came before even if I'm not doing them anymore they're still part of me yeah I I think I sometimes I get so hyper focused on the moment that I kind of forget where I feel like that was a different person or I'm disconnected and it's yeah, it's been it's been a really interesting exercise to to think. Oh, okay, so what I did ten years ago at that moment um, is connected to who I am now, and and sort of trying to find the link and trying to apply that to to my BFRB as well. Yeah, because um, it kind of hits me when I when I find old journals, for example. Like um, a few weeks ago, I came across this journal that I was writing must've been when I first moved to Canada, probably eight years ago. And I was staying at my grandparents' house. So same environment I'm in now, but at that time it was, yeah, how many, so my, I had this one week plan for how I was going to be pull free (laughs) completely. Like that was the plan. And every day I had like certain exercises or something that I had to complete. And then by the end of the week, I would have solved my BFRB. And so thinking about, I went through that week 
I think maybe I stopped pulling for a few days and then it all came back. Um, even if, you know, I pull my hair a lot tomorrow, all of the, all the experiences that I've had up until this moment are still there and they're still, I've learned so much since eight years ago. And maybe I have the same number of eyelashes as that time eight years ago, but who I am and what I've learned mm. has, has really dramatically changed um, at, or built on, on that past. So yeah, it's a yeah. it's a process. It's a it's a process. Yeah. Yeah. Um I, I think I, I I read this um it was like a psychologist study once where they had um they had a, a person sitting behind a desk and then this person would hand you a puzzle and uh you would, you know, spend a few minutes trying to undo the puzzle and then he would like, Great, the person would take take that puzzle, put it in a box, take out another puzzle and then hand you a new one. And then it was like, like more or less the same puzzle, but just like, you know, it's something very slightly different. And you had to like, you know, do it again. And maybe you got faster at doing the puzzle. And then, uh, and then in this round, they would measure how many um, puzzles you're willing to complete before you're like, this is dumb. Like, I want to stop doing puzzles because it was like endless. Right. And I think they, they measured it was something like eight puzzles of, you know, all, I'll reach under the desk, hand you one, and then put it down. Reach under the desk, hand you one, put another one. So that was one version of the experiment. In the second version of the experiment, they would go down, or he would reach down, hand you a puzzle, give it to you. You would spend the minute, complete it. And then he would take the puzzle back. He would undo the puzzle in front of your eyes. And then, like, I think either just hand it back to you directly and say, hey, please do it again. Um, Wow. And... Again, just measuring how many of those are you willing to do before, like, this is dumb. I, I want to stop this, right? And, it, like, it, 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 you're effectively doing the same thing, but the willingness to, you know, keep going, mm-hmm. I think, mm-hmm. on average, in that first version, oh, they would do it, like, eight or ten times before they say, this is dumb. But if 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 you're literally watching the person undo your work in front of you, mm-hmm. I think, on average, it was, like, two or three like you will all do it like two or three times but at that it's like i don't want to do this anymore this is wasting everyone's time right but like it's the same thing but just because we can watch the person like physically undoing the work it's so much more like demoralizing right and i think Mm -hmm. that's that's a really tricky thing about bfrb it's like it's before our eyes (laughs) you know yeah we're we're watching the damage happen and i think that's what leads to yeah so much despair and i don't want to work on this anymore because i really don't know if it'll ever get better um yeah well and that's what a lot of people say and if you if you say that and i don't mean you jason i just mean if i hear someone say that then i say well i believe you but if you also say to me i know this is really hard and i'm gonna make mistakes but i can figure out a way i also believe you you know, there is, a, there's a, and that's actually something else my BFRB taught me. Hmm. That is really that, you know, and that and my Pilates instructor, who's also a physical therapist, because that, you know, it's our brains that um, impede us. I can't do that. I'm not strong enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm not fast enough. I don't have my fidgets. I don't have, I can't take a deep breath. I don't like cream. I don't like fidgets. Well, okay. <laughs> but you know, when you're when you realize that they're your hands. Mm-hmm. They're not on autopilot anymore. You realize now these are mine. These are mine. What am I going to do with them? And even if you have done some damage and then you then you come out of that trance. What can, you know, it, it's a mind shift and it's it's super hard because you're right. It, you see it being undone in front of you, but then it, it comes down to how do you want to look at the situation? Yeah. In hearing that and like, it, to me, it's really interesting that you said, um, you know, you used to be a, a negative half, half glass, half empty kind yeah. of person. Yeah. Um, do you, do you remember when that that sort of changed in you or you realized? Um, 
Well, it's one of those things, almost like a habit. You don't realize it's a habit or something's changed until it's changed. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not like a light just goes on and the room went dark to light. Uh, but it was probably, it was definitely after I started wearing the keen bracelet with the awareness. And so I started that in May, uh, probably around six months in, you know, that I felt it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then I realized it. And actually my kids also noticed, which I thought was really interesting. Like things didn't bother me as much. I, things bothered me, but I reacted differently. Yeah. Adele, I, I don't know. I don't know if I know this about you. How would you respond to that question? Are you a half glass empty or half full kind of person? Um, I think I'm half, half full generally. Um, I I think around, I think I'm half full when I'm around other people, if that makes sense. Like I, this is actually something that came up in the bike trip. I was just, I was with three other friends and, you know, we were exerting ourselves physically. It was really tough. And I constantly noticed myself. And at one point I was like, okay, maybe this is just annoying. Like, why am I doing this? But I didn't mean to, I would find myself like we'd be going up a tough, tough hill and I'd say, wow, like, look at the ocean. It's so beautiful. And it would just like come out and, and then I'd be like, okay, but everyone's working really hard. Like maybe <laughs> I shouldn't be so positive, but I, I think I felt uh, the, this, yeah, I, I sort of took on that role in the group, but then I'm not sure if I'm always like that when I'm on my own and I'm, it's, it's almost like being optimistic for other people is, is something that's easier than, than being optimistic when it's just me and it's just, um, me trying to navigate the world and feel confident about what I'm doing, something I'm working on. Well, and it sounds like people fill you up, like they're fueled mm-hmm. for you. So having that camaraderie and doing something that was difficult and beautiful allowed mm-hmm. you to notice one, you, you probably are naturally more a glass half full kind of person. And then you were also, you also sat, you know, I, we haven't talked that much, but you seem very caring and that mm-hmm. you're able to care for others. So you were able to do that. And, and I do want to say too, when I talk about glass half full or, you know, looking for um, the positive, it's not, it's not toxic positivity, mm. not rose colored glasses because things can suck mm. and emotions are, you need to acknowledge and allow your emotions to happen. So if you have an episode where something is really difficult, it, let's just, it could be work. It could be school. It could be parenting. It could be just life. It could be pulling. It could be picking, you know, things can suck and that, and those feelings are, valid and normal. It's what we do with it. It's the growth mindset, right? It's not that I, 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 you know, I can never do this. I'm only can do anything. I can't do the sciences. I don't know how to do math and I suck at this. So I'm only going to do these things versus I do suck at this, but if I really want to do this, then what can I do to help myself? Like my oldest mm-hmm. daughter um, is, she always wanted to be an elementary school teacher until she read this book. Um, brain on fire, a true story about a journalist whose brain literally was sick and they thought she had psychological problems and it turned out to be a medical thing and it read like a mystery and she's fine. And she discovered this stuff and doctors were able to help all these people. And she put the book down and she goes, that's it. I want to study the brain. And so now she's studying neuroscience. And when she first went into Ohio state, she said, what if I can't do this? What if I'm not smart enough? What if I'm not you know, and what if you are? And well, what if you're not? What can we do to help? What can you do to help yourself? So she's got a tutor for organic chemistry that she's had to take twice. You know, you you can either do same thing with RBFRB. You know, if this fidget doesn't work, well, maybe there's another one that's going to work. Or maybe mm. I need to cover the mirrors. Or maybe I need to, um, I pulled one or two and, and I'm going to just let the other ones be longer. Yeah. What can I do differently? And then it does bleed into, bleed's not the right word. It does soak into other parts of our lives in a productive way. Because mm-hmm. then we can realize, oh, 
this is how I can do the math class or, or the hard project or the, whatever it is. Hmm. Yeah. I, I think um, one thing that I've learned from my BFRB is how important it is to trust in myself. And I think I'm maybe having a similar experience to your daughter and that I'm going to start my master's in September. It's a way more technical field that I than I've ever experienced. I stopped math and science in grade 11 in high school. I didn't even do grade 12 because I just thought, well, I'm not good at this. I'm going to focus on other stuff. And at the time, maybe it was what was best for me. But now I'm kind of like, okay, well, <laughs> if I want to do this more technical stuff. I want to learn how to model um, cities and like do spatial analysis. I do need math and I'm going back to it now. And I, it's like a constant battle every day when I'm sitting down to this course, um, preparatory course where it's so easy for me to think, well, I'm, I'm not smart enough. Like, why am I doing this? I, this isn't what I'm, what comes naturally or whatever. But then when I'm able to shift over to, oh, you know, like I've overcome mm. things mm -hmm. that were very difficult in the past, right? I've mm -hmm. been in situations that have been new where I've had to develop new skills. I've done stuff that I never thought I could, right? Um, that's where I draw strength. And then, yeah, it's, and then it's about, okay, well, sitting down, doing my math with my fidget toy and also mm -hmm. giving myself permission to fail because mm -hmm. that's okay. This is new. It's hard, right? Do a hard thing. You're going to struggle a little bit. Um, but it's also really exciting to be able to do, to try the hard thing and, yeah. you know, succeed in, unexpected ways hopefully or <laughs> yeah. um i guess we'll see how it goes <laughs> but yeah so it's you know, pretty powerful it's amazing and and thinking about your bfrb is while you're doing that and i love how you said so i'm going to do my math with my fidget in my hand and i see the fidget in your hand <laughs> so when you also learn and i don't know if this is true or not but if being at the computer at night when you're tired causes you more likely to go to your eyelashes and you don't study late at night, right? Yeah, so it's exactly. figuring out when things, when it's a better time that you'll have more success in getting through the hard stuff. Mm. That's great. Yeah. Huh, that's great. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. I I worry that this could go on for another <laughs> many hours, but I think. Um, Maybe that's a, a good place to call our, our, our episode for now. Um, a, um, yeah, I, I wanted to turn it over to you, Ellen. If, if people want to like uh, connect with you online or f yeah, just learn more about what it is that you do, how, how can people find you? People can find me at uh, habitaware.com, H-A-B-I-T-A-W-A-R-E.com. And I'm Ellen at habitaware.com and follow us on Instagram, on Facebook, and you can also find me on LinkedIn. You guys are doing truly um, amazing, really inspirational work. And yeah, I just, I, I want to thank you for, yeah, just helping so many people in, in our community. Um, yeah. And thank you. I mean, thank you for what you guys are doing. It's also so important and for all of your listeners out there, it's so important that we shatter the shame. Shatter the shame. Shatter Absolutely. The shame. Shatter the shame. Yeah. <laughs> well, um, so yeah, I mean, th that was our, our episode. Thank you. Thank you so much for, for listening. If you want to connect with us, um, we are also on Instagram at Fidget Podcast. Our email is fidgetpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, we'd like to thank Cheyenne for our logo, as always, and Thomas for our music. And if you have any suggestions or guest ideas for us, you can contact us, as Jason mentioned. And we also have a Patreon if you'd like to support the podcast. Um, but, um, I mean, <laughs> with that, uh, we'll, we'll see you next episode. Stay tuned. <laughs> Stay tuned. <laughs> And there you go, another amazing conversation with a member of the HabitAware family. In the show notes, we've added a link to a super interesting YouTube video that explains how the Keen bracelet works exactly. It's a pretty nifty tool for your BFRB toolbox, and I even discovered that you can order different colored straps, so it could go with all of your outfits. As we mentioned in the last episode, 
Fidget listeners can get a special discount to order their own bracelet. That's 10% off the order with the code FIDGET. That's F-I-D-G-E-T. And it's valid until December 23rd, 2021. Amazing gift idea? I think so. All right, see you soon for our next episode.